0: Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast, we have a message entitled Through a Mirror Dimly. We're kind of wrapping up the book of Job. And seeing how the book of Job really counsels us to walk in humility with regard to our views of God and how He works, to be careful for how we speak for God, at the end of the day to uh, not concern ourselves with things that are too great for us, but to love the ones that God has put around us, whether those who are suffering or in crisis, uh, to be with them without the pressure of having to figure out why. So let's head to the talk, North Sylvania Church, downtown Covington. Thanks for listening. Um, today we, we continue our look in the book of Job. We've been in the book of Job for a couple of weeks As I said before this is not a book that I would have naturally chosen to do any messages from Not one of my favorite books in the Bible if I have to be honest with you um, But I actually have found this uh, quite a helpful few weeks in the book of Job But we're going to wrap it up this morning We've been going through the revised common lectionary the last few weeks So the passages are kind of chosen uh, in advance uh, Last week we kind of set it up that Job has, has suffered loss of his children, his health, his well-being. And he's been crying out to God. He's saying, if I could talk to God face to face, God would hear my argument and he would agree with me and answer me exactly the way I want him to. And so last week we talked about how God finally answers Job. But the the answer that Job gets is not exactly the answer that Job wanted. Uh, Instead of God saying, yeah, Job, you're right. I just want to bless you. Job gets this mysterious answer from God that basically God is saying, do you know how to make it rain? I didn't think so. Do you know how to build the world? Didn't think so. Do you know how to feed young lions and ravens? And God, God just kind of basically puts Job in his place. God is basically saying, I'm the creator and the sustainer. Job was tempted to think that God was not present, not near to him. The answer that Job gets is that God not only created the world, but without God's involvement in the world, the world ceases to exist. So Job gets an answer, not the answer that he wanted, And now we get Job's final kind of closing comments after hearing God's answer. So on the front of your bulletin, if you've got one, Job chapter 42, we're going to go through 1 through 6 and 10 through 12, said, then Job replied after God's answer, "Um, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? And Job answers, surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said to me, listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you shall answer me. And Job says to this, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes after Job had prayed for his friends the Lord restored his fortune and gave him twice as much as he had before all his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him came and ate with him in his house they comforted and consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought on him and each one gave him a piece of silver and a gold ring the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part Job, after having received God's answer, finally talks back to God and he says, I repent. I'm sorry. I thought I knew you. I'd heard of who you were, but now I see you face to face and um, I was wrong. Job repents. And what I said last week, on, on the, as far as repentance goes, we think of repentance a lot of times in our culture as, as, you know, maybe running up to an altar and crying and just falling on your knees before the Lord, which it can involve that. But repentance is really simply uh, changing the way that we think in light of new evidence. Job says, I thought I knew who you were. I've heard of you. But now I see you and you're a lot more different than I had imagined. Job repents, but Job isn't repenting for unrighteousness. We see at the beginning of the book of Job that that Job is righteous morally. Job's problem is that he had a limited understanding of God and now he's seeing God face to face and he repents. I love the way that that, that, that God, you know, this the, the book of Job is so kind of mysterious. The battle is so kind of cosmic and out there, and Job isn't aware of it. And I love how God does show up to them. Th- th- this reveals something about God. But I think one of the main things that we can learn through the book of Job is that we are encouraged by this book to walk in humility, with respect, both to our understanding of God and how we speak of God, I remember um, after both September 11th attacks back in 2001, and after Katrina, there are there were prominent evangelical leaders who took to the media and proclaimed. Uh, very self assuredly, that this was the judgment of God on America for whatever. I can't even remember, you know, they pick different things each time. But they claim to speak for God about who God is and why He's doing what He's doing. I remember the day that we evacuated for Hurricane Katrina, a friend of mine who lived up in Kentwood, had flown in from Virginia and he he couldn't get out unless he had a ride out because it was contraflow on that day. And so he stayed with us on Saturday night and we're driving up to Kentwood and we get up there. And I remember sitting down with him and his wife before we ended up going down to Baton Rouge. These are good friends of mine who are are committed Christians. And the wife rather, rather flippantly said, well, I guess New Orleans is finally gonna get what's coming to it. I'm like, wow, I probably would have said the thing, same thing had I not been living in New Orleans. So I don't want to put myself above those kinds of sentiments. But we're so easy sometimes to, it comes so naturally to us to, to uh, presume, to know who God is and what God is doing. And one thing that the book of Job tells us is we need to walk in more humility. We can't box God into our doctrinal or theological things and ever get to a point where we think we can know God. You know, we know God a little bit. But we can't ever think that we got God figured out. And this is a problem for me because I love theology. If y'all looked at my bookshelf, you'd be bored to tears. I love reading this stuff, I love talking about theology. I even occasionally like arguing with people about theological things and doctrinal issues. But Job says this. <laughs> He says, surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. Job's like, I thought I knew you and I talked about you, but I didn't know. I found probably one of the best things that has happened in my life in the past few years that I've done is cutting the cable. um and i'm not saying this this is my issue so i'm not trying to tell you this is what you need to do but this has been very helpful to me we've been without cable for about 3 years and we got netflix and amazon so we don't worry we're watching enough tv <laughs> i'm not anti entertainment this is not the statement i'm trying to make um but the deal is, I think it probably started for me during the September 11th attacks. I became obsessed with the news. And I found myself watching the news all the time. I'd get up first thing in the morning, I'd turn on the news. I'd get in the car, I'd listen to the news on the way to work. And then between different things, I'd check the internet to see what the news was. And then when i drive to lunch, I'd be listening to the news. And then I'd get home, the first thing I'd do is turn on the news. When I'm at the gym, I'd be watching the news. I was obsessed with it. I wanted to know what's going on. When's the next shoe dropping? You know, how bad are things going to be? But the problem for me is I found myself becoming more and more incapacitated by depression. Because I'd look at the horrible things going on all around the world, and I felt powerless to do anything to stop them or to change them. So... I, I I cut the cable. <laughs> Guess what? I still get plenty of news. I still know what's going. It's amazing. I still know what's going on in the world today. But what I found is that my my mind was becoming um, concerned with things that were too big for me. Things that 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 I could have an opinion on, but things that were too big for me. I've learned that I'm not going to change the world. I've given up on that. I am not going to change this world. But maybe, maybe I can live out a different reality and affect the one little piece of this world that I come in contact with. I'm not going to make a big difference on the big issues of this world. I can maybe make a small difference in my little piece of the world. The same thing goes for God. <laughs> I I have had many frustrating discussions and arguments with people that get me all tied up in knots and there's name-calling and finger-pointing about who we think God is and how we think God acts and all this. And it, it has consumed a lot of my time over the years. But sometimes I have to think that, what are, what's it going to be like for us when we stand before God? Because I have a feeling every single human being is going to have to rethink what they thought about God. <laughs> We're going to go, I heard about you in the Baptist church. I heard about you from the Pentecostals. I heard about you from my atheist parents. I heard about you in the vineyard. But now I see you face to face and it's a little bit different. Job says, Job speaks with such humility here. He says, I speak, surely I spoke of things that I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. This kind of reminds me of Psalm 131, and I put it in your bulletin there. Oh, Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My heart is not proud. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me but I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Do we have any nursing mothers in here this morning? No nursing mothers? Oh, we got one back there. (laughs) Nursing babies oftentimes have great anxiety when mom wants to leave the room. You ever notice that? Why is that? Because there goes lunch, right? <laughs> what if I get hungry? I don't know if they're thinking on that level, but there is this, this connection where, where the, the, the baby, and it's a great thing, God's created and everything, but there comes a point when it, it's time for a baby to stop nursing and, and eat regular food, And a child that has been weaned doesn't have the same kind of anxiety that a child that is nursing has. They can be with their mother without looking at their mother as lunch. They can just... Be settled and quiet. David is saying here in this psalm, he says, my heart is not proud, my eyes are not puffed up, I'm not thinking about things way beyond my pay grade, I'm not anxious about that, I'm simply trusting in you right now. This is where Job goes after having met God. Now, there's two things that, I wanna, that, that I've noticed in this last passage. As I said when we started the book of Job, I said, Job is not a terribly comforting book to me because it seems as if there's a divine wager between God and Satan on somebody's life. I don't like thinking that the devil and God could make a bet on my life and then I could just lose my kids. and <laughs> I don't like that. But I will say this. At the end of the book, I see two things. Job's friends at the beginning of the book of Job, and we didn't get too much into their dialogue, but the beginning of the book of Job, when Job is, has lost family members, when he's physically sick and scratching himself with broken pieces of pottery, Job's friends come and it says that they sit with him and they comfort him. But after a while, they stop comforting him, and they try to figure out why it's going on. Can you identify with that? I can sit with a sick friend for a day. I can be present to someone who goes through a a brief season, a couple of weeks of, of trouble. But when somebody, when their situation just seems to persist and go on and on, Aren't we tempted to try to fix them and figure it out, figure out what God's doing? I am. Is God mad at you? Is the devil mad at you? Is this just because we live in a fallen world? Uh, Is this your own foolishness? And I've offered all kind of advice over the years to to Christian friends of mine who have been in in bad financial situations or sick, (laughs) But you see, the ones that are rebuked the most in the book of Job, are it's not Job, it's actually Job's friends. God's really angry with them because instead of just sitting with Job, they presume to speak for who God is and why this stuff was happening, and they didn't have a clue. Sometimes we just need to tell people, I don't know why this is happening to you. I got no clue. It's beyond me, but I will be with you in it. It's interesting in this passage that we see two little pictures of love here at the end. Number one, Job prays for his friends. God's mad at his friends. And Job, I think if, if I was Job and I'd had these friends who were, who were telling me all this stuff about who God is, after I really saw what God was like, And it wasn't like what my friends told me. (laughs) I think I'd be tempted to just say, now y'all going to get what y'all deserve. God's mad at y'all. But Job doesn't do that. Job prays for his friends. And it's as Job moves in love towards his friends that he's restored to better than he was before. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. And then it says, all his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him before came and ate with him in his house and they comforted him and consoled him. They even gave financially to him, gave him gold rings and stuff. I think that this is an interesting picture that, that Job has such this kind of cosmic battle going on, all kinds of things that are outside of Job's understanding, but we end the book with a bunch of people hanging out and eating a meal <laughs> and Job's friends and family coming to comfort him. And what this kind of says to me is like, I, I, I'm, I live most of my life clueless, of probably spiritual battles going on around me, I live most of my life clueless of, of of even who God is, and it's easy to look at the Book of Job and have this kind of fatalistic look outlook. You know, like ah, God's just going to do whatever He wants to do. I can't do anything. I'm just at the whims of of God and the devil. But I see here at the end. We cannot, we have to take responsibility to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to love. Job's family members, they minister to him. They love on him. They fellowship with him. They give him the gift of their presence. When it comes to us, I love what, what the Apostle Paul says in the famous love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. He says, now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even As I am now fully known. Here's the deal even with the Bible, we only know God a little bit. Hear me. Even with the Bible, even with the Holy Scriptures, even with the Holy Spirit. Pour it in our hearts. We only know God a little bit. Paul says we're like looking at the reflection in a mirror. We can see through this dark mirror something of who God is. But one day we will see him face to face. Paul, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, he's talking to a, a very charismatic church in the New Testament who's, who's really excited about speaking in tongues and prophecy and all these things, and, and Paul is saying there's nothing wrong with those things. Paul actually encourages them in the spiritual gifts, but he says, look, if, if you miss the main thing, which is love, you've missed it all. says, all these gifts that you've been given, whether they're speaking in tongues or prophecy or healing or faith, these gifts have a place, but they ultimately are, are meant to help us see who God is. And they only do that to the extent that they're operating from love. But he said there's going to come a day when instead of looking at a mirror dimly like Job, we are going to see God face to face and we won't have need for any spiritual gifts anymore because the gift is there. And so what does Paul say at the, at the closing of this whole chapter where he's been talking about all these spiritual gifts and love? He finally says, now, he says, the one thing that, that is going to last from this age to the age to come, age to come, It's not prophecy. It's not speaking in tongues. It's not gifts of healing. He said it it is love. Love never fails. He says all these other things we'll see someday. And so he closes the love chapter by saying, now abide in faith, hope, and love, but the greatest one of these is love. When I look at the book of Job, this is what I see I see a glimmer of the love of God in Job's life. He sees God for who he is. He steps into a place of humility. I thought I knew you. I spoke wrong. I misrepresented you. Misunderstood you. And we see Job finally, after encountering God, praying for his friends. The encouragement for us today is that when we... Encounter people in our life, we don't have to speak on God's behalf. We don't have to have God all figured out doctrinally, I guess that's the way we say it, or theologically. But we do have to love people. And that's the encouragement for us today. To walk in humility. To not have to be right. The minute that we think we've got God all figured out (laughs) is the minute we cease to know him. Why don't you all stand? I want to close by reading this chapter from 1 Corinthians and close us with a word of prayer. Paul writes this, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so that I can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patience. Love is kind. It does not envy. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the completeness comes, what is in part disappeared. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now of these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Heavenly Father, I just pray that that by your grace you would help us to hold on to our ideas of you with open hands. Lord, that we would seek to love people rather than to be right. God, that we would put a precedence on relationship even over beliefs, God. Lord, that we could be like you. Lord, with the hurting people all around us, God, we wouldn't seek to try to explain why things are happening, Lord, but we could be the very comfort of your presence in their life, Lord. God, we admit our uncomfort with grief and with loss and with uncertainty and with suffering, Lord, but we ask, Holy Spirit, your empowering presence to be love, to be comfort, to those around us, Lord. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.